peoples of the worldwide federated internet what's good If you want to learn about yourself, read the Bible and read the Bible with the with the intent of not looking at everyone else's fault and pointing fingers. I call it the Adam and Eve syndrome, the serpent, the woman that thou hast given me. Yeah. Look at yourself, read your Bible, and you'll see a lot of similarities and Uh, your faults will be illuminated and thus you can actually get correction. So anyway, without further ado, Genesis chapter 33, let's get into this. So we all know the situation. Uh, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He had his fight with the, uh, or his tussle, his wrestle with the man that appeared to him uh, by night. And now, We have him meeting with Esau. So verse one, and Jacob lift up his eyes and looked and behold, Esau came and with him 400 men and he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel and unto the two handmaids. Jacob, Israel now does not learn and is still being deceptive. Now you might you might miss that if you're if you're reading this and not not really watching what's going on. So uh, uh, break out the scenario. Imagine he's going to meet Esau. He's he, they're coming down. They're walking up. Whatever. Before Esau sees him, he separates the children uh, between Leah and Rachel and the handmaids. He divided them now. Why would he do that? Now, we know if you go back and you read from Abraham uh, to Isaac to this point, both Abraham's uh, faults and his strengths are being shown in his children. And, And one thing that was definitely a strength of Abraham is the man loved his children. So I would imagine that when Jacob was moving up, when when Israel now was moving about, that his children were probably hanging around him, right? And I I think he he actually loved that. And we can see that when we read on in the Bible. So then why is he now separating the the children amongst the the lay Rachel and the handmaids? Well, remember, he's been gone for years. Esau has never met his wives. Esau doesn't really know much about what's been going on with Jacob. So he'll have no idea who these children are now. If in, if in, if in Israel's mind, he's thinking, well, Esau might slay me. So let me hide my, my children or, or divide these amongst the, the, the handmaids and Rachel and Leah, And that way he won't really know if these are my children or not. So if he slays me, my children survive. Now, 
I'm definitely not uh, not disparaging uh, Israel for trying to protect his children. The man loved his kids. I get that. But that deception, if he would just trust God, there would be no need for this deception. Verse verse two. And he put the handmaids and the children uh, foremost. So so the two handmaids and their children were in front laying her children after. So two handmaids and their children in front laying her children after and Rachel and Joseph at the back and Rachel and Joseph at the hindmost. Imagine how those handmaids feel like, yo, this dude just <laughs> put us right in front. Like, he, you know, he just don't even care. Like if something happens to us, he's good with that. And then imagine how Leif feels like, okay. So if they, if they fall, then I'm next. Like, okay. So I guess I'm just, I just don't really matter. Wow. <laughs> Very interesting. And uh, verse three, and he passed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near unto his brother. So he's paying obeisance to his brother. He's 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 letting him know you the man. I'm giving you your respect. I'm bowing to you. And he's it's, it's a sign of submission. He's pretty much letting Esau know whatever you have planned, you win, you got it. He's still worried, still fearful. And Esau, listen to what happens. Listen to what all that worrying Israel was doing, all that worrying. And Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and wept. All that worrying he did this whole time. And God had already in advance changed Esau's whole whole mindset. And we can surmise what happened. I would imagine Esau has been built up. He's got his things. He's got his land. He's got his people. Um, he's got his riches. He's he's been blessed. So, yeah. Uh, Israel got the birth, got the birthright, got the blessing, but Esau wasn't left out of being blessed. He has been blessed. He has his stuff. So he's good. And more than likely his, his, his heart and his mind, well, not more than likely his was his heart and his mind were changed. And clearly he misses his brother, right? Cause you got to remember, even though, even though they were at odds and this is what's, this is true about sibling siblings even sometimes siblings that are at odds when when either both or one party matures there's something about seeing your sibling that all right all that other stuff don't matter i'm just glad to see you that's what happened here and esau ran and met him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept right so this is not deception on esau's on esau's part nor am i saying that this is deception on on Israel's part, they wept. All, all Jacob had to do is trust God to provide his need. Remember, God told him, leave Laban, go to this land. If God told him to leave Laban, go to this land, go back to the land of your fathers. He didn't think that God would have provide him, provided him safety. This wasn't this wasn't a want. It's a need of God. If you're telling me to, to, to go to this place and you're telling me that my, my seed is going to be as the sand of the sea, 
then clearly I, I need protection, not, not want need. There's a reason I use those two words. And this is where, this is where this hit me. So I'm on, I'm going to go to the book of Philippians. Cause I, cause I think this is, it kind of shows what's going on in these, in this passage, the book of Philippians chapter four, I'm going to start at verse six and I'm going to read through verse 19. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. You can worry about everything. That's what this is talking about. Be careful for nothing. You can worry and toil and, and be in turmoil over everything, or you can go to God in prayer with thanksgiving letting your requests be made known to God. Now I'm going to get to something unless you think this is a name it, claim it. God, give me riches. That is not what this is about. And if, if that's what you think these verses are about, you miss the whole context, but hopefully I can lay it out. And the God of peace, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is how you maintain peace. In the book of Isaiah, the Bible says "Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Why? Why will he be in perfect peace? Because he trusteth in thee. Talking about God. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things things you have to control your mind what you think about matters and think about the context this is in this is about see you you will miss this you will miss this whole thing if you're not paying attention to verse six be careful for nothing that's worry well how do you how do you stay away from that right Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Do you think if those things were on your mind that you would be gripped with worry, doubt and despair? Doubt it. Doubt it very seriously. Verse nine. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. What is So people quote that verse. Well, what is that verse saying? You miss it if you're not paying attention to the context. And and this ties back to what happened with with uh, Jacob or now as his name has changed Israel. But I rejoiced in the Lord. So the Apostle Paul said he rejoiced what he rejoiced in greatly uh, that now at the last your care for me hath flourished. So they provided something that the Apostle Paul needed. And he said, wherein. You were also careful, but lacked opportunity. So there's other things they wanted to do, right? But they didn't have the opportunity. But listen to what Paul says. Not that I speak in respect of want. He's not saying this because these were things that he wanted. Why? Why does he make that comment? 
because he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. What's the context for that? Verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound every way or everywhere. And in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can another verse that's quoted, but missing what's going on here. I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. He's saying, if I got to suffer, I can suffer through Christ. If I got to be full, I can be full through Christ. If I have abundance, I can have that and make it and survive and not lose my mind in Christ. If I don't have abundance, I can do that in Christ. I've learned in whatsoever state I am in either one of these states I'm, I'm in, I'm content. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. So he's saying, hey, you did good because I had a need. You met that need. That was good for you. But it wasn't good. What, what, what Paul is teaching is it wasn't good because I needed these things. That's not why I'm happy. I'm happy because you did something because God moved in you to do it. It was the right thing to do. And you will receive the reward of that fruit. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Paul saying I had needs and again and again you came through. God working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Verse 17, not because I desire gifts. So he's saying this is not because I want a gift from you, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. I was excited about this because you were doing something good to help a brother and that's going to be laid to your charge. And that makes me happy. This um, this this topic is it got me excited today. I'm not going to lie to you. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, a wellspring to God. But listen to this. This is what I wanted to get to, but you had to get the full context before you get to this verse and misapply it. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, before you say, I want this house, God will supply. That's not a need. That's not a need. It's nice to have. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to have, but that's not a need. Need means uh, want occasion for something. Necessity, a state that requires supply or relief need is something that's required something that you can't do without you see when people get sick right and i and i know this is easy for me to say not being sick i'm, I'm keeping it real with you it, it and it is it, this would be much harder to say if i was in some dire need and some sickness but it doesn't change the fact that this is true you don't need to be healed it's not a need. It's God's mercy if we are healed and we can be thankful. I am thankful to God that I am healthy. But if I had a sickness, 
I don't have a need to be healed. Right. I want to be healed and I will thank God if he does. And I will thank God if it's not his will that I am healed. Either way, God will get the glory. But people see verses like this. And this is where that name it, claim it stuff comes from. That is not biblical. It is not biblical at all. Now, we have needs that God can and will provide for. But your wants, your God is not your piggy bank. You can't demand something from God like, oh, I, I, I want this. Hot. Look, there's a lot of things I want. I make investments. I make investments. I would love for those investments to pan through. I don't need for those investments to pan through. What I need is God's provision. What I need is God's mercy. What I need is God's help. God shall provide those needs. Things that I require to survive, God will provide. And that's what God is, is letting us know. But my God shall supply all your need. Don't get that confused with, oh, you know, there's jobs that I want. They're not needs. If God provides those jobs, if, if God has provided those jobs throughout my life, it's his mercy, his grace. And I am so thankful for it because every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, from the father of lights, which whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Everything good comes from God. But sometimes we mistake those good things coming as as things that like we had, like God is required to answer this prayer and give you these things. Nonsense, foolishness. And that's that's just simply not biblical. And if that's the thought you have, then you will never learn to be content in whatsoever state you are. This is also where um, Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse one comes in, right? So now, now we know God will provide our needs that, that, that this is something that's biblical, right? God will take care of you. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So I want to read some definitions, substance, the essential part, the main or material part, right? So faith is the substance what is faith? The ascent of the mind of the truth of a proposition advanced by another belief. What is hope? A desire of some good accompanied with at least a slight expectation uh, of obtaining it. Confidence in future event. What can we be confident in? We can be confident in the fact that God will supply our needs. How do we know this? The substance of faith. That's how. And this is this is the issue we see that Israel had in Genesis chapter 33. He did not exercise. God told him, go here. I'm going to make your 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 seed as the sand of the sea. I'm going to do well by you. What was the substance of that faith? All Israel had to do was say, you know what? God said it. I believe it. 
How do I know? What's the substance? How do I know this is going to happen? Because God said it. I believe it. Faith. Boom. Period. Done. God, even though, even though, and this is, this is where God's mercy comes in, man, I'm so thankful for God's mercy. Even though Israel didn't trust what God said, and it's clear by everything he did, God still provided his need and kept his word. Amazing. <laughs> Verse five. And he lift up his eyes and this, I must, I must stop here, but this is why I say what he did with the children was deceptive, right? Because, and he lift up his eyes. So Esau lift up his eyes and saw the women and the children and said, who are those with thee? And he said, the children, which God hath graciously given thy servant. So Esau had no idea who these people were because of the way Esau had set them out. He was being deceptive. He didn't want he, uh, Jacob or Israel didn't want Esau to know these are my children. So he thought he thought he had to deceive Esau in order for his children to be protected. He still wasn't trusting God. But I'm telling you, when I read this, the flood of thoughts came to my head just about things I've done. Right. How how. There's things in the Bible that are just solidified truth. And sometimes we look at these things and we go, yeah, but, but there's still something I have to do, right? No, believe God, faith, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. God said it is true. <laughs> God said it in his word. It is true. Now, again, I'll, I will say because we have a lot of false doctrine concerning this, this idea of God supplying needs. That doesn't mean you're going to get the job you want, want operative word. There doesn't mean you're going to get the house you want, want operative word there. That doesn't mean everything is going to work out the way you want it to work out operative word there want, but God will supply your need. That's a fact. Y'all know what it is. Stay frosty people.